You're listening to a podcast of spurious morality. to the second ever episode of a podcast of spurious morality. Um, this week I am joined by Holly. Hello, nice to be here. And Mansour. Hello. Uh, and we're here mainly to talk about sort of story arcs, uh, especially big finish story arcs. Uh, I have a funny feeling we're going to end up spending a lot of time talking about a certain one. Uh, so I'm going to issue some spoiler warnings. Uh, we're going to talk about the Hex arc. Uh, the Seventh Doctor, Ace and Hex, which was sort of very big, uh, all-encompassing almost, uh, through the sort of early days in the main range. I'll say early days, probably right up to about 170, release 170. Um, and we're also going to have a little chat about Stranded as well, uh, including Stranded 4, which has only been out a few weeks, so you have been fairly spoiler-warned. Um, so... Story arcs at big finish. There've been a few. What would you say is the best one, Holly? I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be Seven Ace and Hex, hasn't it? I mean, encompassing Six and Evelyn, and I guess the Forge, but that whole that whole thing for me, by far. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mansour, what do you think? Uh, I think agree. Like in in some ways, there are others that that are amongst my favourites, but I think Evelyn and Hex wins. Like, there's Lucy Miller, but that's kind of contained... Like, the Arky stuff is really in just the last season of Eighth Doctor and Lucy Miller. Um, and there's Benny as well, Benny Summerfield. Uh, yeah, which has been very Arky in, like, the earliest single-disc releases and then some of the box sets, but... Yeah, I think I agree about Hex and Evelyn being the uh, being the best. Yeah, it, it's as soon as somebody says to me sort of big finish arcs, I immediately go to. Um, I always say it's the Hex arc. It's really unfair to call it the Hex arc because it is actually it's much bigger than that. As we've said, it covers Evelyn as well, and Evelyn was introduced really, really early on. Um. And then perhaps, I suppose the storyline kind of added to some of the stuff that happened with Six and Evelyn. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess that kind of started it. Because it would, I suppose the really big arky one would be, um, is it Project Twilight? Was that the first one? Yeah, that's the first, the first project, yeah. The first project. Uh, but, you know, even the project stuff, it's its own little arc um, in itself. So, uh, what would you say is the highlight of sort of that, all of those releases that kind of fit into that arc, Holly? I mean, it's it's so hard to pick one because I feel like the strength of it is 
it is those characters. Like, I think Evelyn and Hex are probably the two strongest original Big Finish companions. And, like, following following their stories from how many releases it is, like, loads. I should, probably should have checked before this, but, um, yeah, that... It, so it's kind of more than the sum of its parts, almost, just following those characters. But, obviously, a bad bit one, it is a death in the family. Like, it just... That's a work of genius. It, it, it's an absolutely brilliant story. Would you agree, Mansoor, or is there, is there something better than a death in the family? It's a- I can't be <laughs> I, I think it's a highlight. So it's possibly the best story, but I think trilogy-wise, the stuff with the black and white TARDIS arc really kicks in is a really good trilogy. So that's what, what were the actual stories? Was it? Um, is it the one that starts with uh, protect, protect and, and survive? Yeah, protect and survive, and then the the couple that follow on from that. Yeah, black and white and gods and monsters. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, but yeah, single story. Well, it's the point of convergence as well, isn't it, between Evelyn and Hex? So it's got that. And oh, and the thing I really like about the way it converges, it's not just you know, wouldn't it be nice if this character met that character? It's there's a really huge emotional reason for those two characters interacting and and those two arcs intersecting. It's not just a sort of random who's available or. Yeah, it it's like yeah, it it's almost like I don't know how planned it was, but it's almost like it was planned and mapped out in a really artful way. It's it's very easy to listen to um, all the Evelyn stuff and all the Seventh Doctor, Ace and Hex stuff, and think, yeah, this has been planned out. This is some big master plan that's kind of taken place over. I mean, it was more than ten years in the end, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, and. Like it can't have been when you look at sort of those releases and where they all came in and where they were. There's no way that was planned in as one big sort of overarching storyline. It's just a coming together of so many brilliant ideas, and we've talked already about how strong the characters are. Um, yeah, absolutely. The fact that Evelyn is such a great character and that Hex is such a great character, it just makes it work. It does, but it's it's so cleverly done as well. Because, I mean, I think you're you're right. Just by the nature of how many ten years it was, or or whatever, it can't have been planned like rigidly. But at the same time, it could have become so unwieldy, and like they they kept it together. And I think was it Alan Barnes who script edited most of them. Um, I feel like he probably deserves most of them. More I think, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he was um, co-writer on Gods and Monsters, which, I mean, you say Gods and Monsters was the end of the story. No, it wasn't. It carried on into the Hector arc. Um, but Gods and Monsters was kind of the the explosive culmination of everything that had been building up to that point. But you could also say that about a death in the family. You could also say that about um, Project Destiny. Is it Project Destiny I'm thinking of? That's the one where Cassie comes back. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, there's another project that's a book, and I can't remember what it's called now. I've even got there's it down. Yeah. There's a book. There's a board book. Yes. Um, there is a project book, and I can't remember its name, which is terrible because I only actually bought it a few weeks ago. There was three, um, wasn't there? In that, there was a Forge book, an Eremem Big Finish book, and an Iris. Wild Handbook. Yes. 
um, and they've uh, it, there was a, re- a recent big finish sale on books, and I saw that one, and I'd not really known anything about it before, but just saw the word project in the title and thought, "Yep, yeah, I'm having that." <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's the the whole forge. I find the forge thing really fascinating because it's it predates Torchwood, but it effectively is. Torchwood. I think there's loads that like I, I was the okay. So underground base, um, searching for the Doctor, mopping up alien technology, led by someone who's functionally immortal. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, it's a it, they really kind of. It's not exactly Torchwood. You've not got the whole team thing. You've not got exactly the same, but it's basically underground shadowy organisation dealing with alien and supernatural stuff for the betterment of the British Empire and all that sort of thing. Yeah, well, it's well, they've got the king and country line and Torchwood yeah. has got queen and country. In, like, they use that yeah. same phrase, don't they? In the... So, it's yeah, it's very, very similar. Um, I mean, I know you were saying Mansoor, like... Characters shouldn't meet for the sake of it, and I agree. But also, torture versus support, please. <laughs> versus units as well. Versus yeah, throw them all in there. Why not? <laughs> Why on earth not? It'd be brilliant. Well, there's um, there's um, another one in the books. There's some I don't know if it's like another name for unit, but there's something I think called C nineteen in the novels. I think it's in the Scales of yes. Injustice. Um, I think it's introduced in Scales of Injustice and then floats through quite a few. In fact, is I think it's referenced by the Fifth Doctor in Time Flight. Oh. I think that's where C nineteen comes All from. Right. Um, if I remember correctly, we could throw um, Linda in there as well. Is it Linda? Yes. Yes. Linda takes on Unit, the Forge, and Torchwood. <laughs> I'm enjoying this. Yes, absolutely. Um, I'm still trying to remember what the name of that other project book is and I'm very very bad for not being able to I need to I need to read more of the novels I have not read enough Doctor Who novels in general they were like my um, introduction to Doctor Who really I read loads of Target books before I saw much TV and then like my ears were really I watched a bit of the seventh Doctor on TV but my ears were really the new adventures and than the Eighth Doctor adventures, like, uh, and if we're talking about arcs, those, that's a whole, a whole separate discussion, but those books had huge arcs running through them. Yeah, they, they really went into, I mean, I've, I've read a few of the new adventures, but there's just so much there to read, and, you know, I was, I think they were already, actually, that range was already running when I was born, so I've got a hell of a lot of catching up to do. Potentially, it may never even happen. Well, they're all out of um, print I've read, as well, so... Oh, that as well, they're very difficult to get hold of. But I have read quite a few, and I did really enjoy them. Um, and it, it's this whole... It's a unique era with a unique feel. Uh, it's doing something completely different to Big Finish. It's doing something different to uh, what I've read of the comics. Uh, it's certainly different to how Doctor Who was on TV when it returned. Um, I do get the impression that, I mean, having, again, not read any of these books, so tell me if I'm talking nonsense, but I do get the impression that, like, those 
um, those 90s books were kind of more sort of grown-up, gritty Doctor Who, and it feels like tonally that's kind of the thing that those those early projects, Big Finish stories... Were I think totally, for. yeah. Like, I, I, I was thinking about that, because, yeah, the, that project arc in Big Finish started early, and I think Big Finish was a bit more gruesome and gritty, and there was the occasional swear word because of the precedent the novels had set. And and the novels, it, actually, it was like the first few episodes of Torchwoods. I think the novels went really overboard with the first few, which is like loads of sex and swearing just because they could. <laughs> and then like a year or two in, the, the new adventures settled into like going, right, okay, we can do that, but we don't have to do it all the time. And uh, yeah, found a bit more of an even keel. It's very much about finding the feet, isn't it? Which I think actually was a phase that, Big Finish went through. I think Big Finish found the feet very quickly. I think they found a nice balance between sort of traditionalism and experimentation uh, very early on. Um, yeah, and I think sort of that kind of depended on which TARDIS team you got. It's, you know, um, early on, fairly early on, we had like the Fifth Doctor, Perry and Eriman, and it was... There were quite a few historicals in there, actually. It sort of suddenly all went a bit 60s and historical. And um, most of that was quite traditional. There are some sort of more out there stories. There's Necromantia, which is so far out there that (laughs) (laughs) it's interesting. Um, But you have stories like The Church and the Crown, which is, is just a nice historical romp, really. Uh, yeah, something you totally. could, something you could believe, sixties who would do. Um, but then at the same time, you had the Sixth Doctor and Evelyn, who were, they were doing different things. They were, there was you know bits of storyline going on. You had releases like Project Twilight, which was it was quite violent. Yeah, really. very very violent. There's like. Well, I guess we can do spoilers for we do spoilers for the whole arc, but like uh, we we can spoil that one definitely. <laughs> was it was it Twilight or the next one, the one where the Six Doctor clone gets ripped apart? And yeah, there's just generally a lot of really quite graphic violence. Yeah, that's that's Lazarus. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that, um, right. Yes, but they both surprised Lazarus. me the first time I had. I shouldn't have been having listened to Twilight. I shouldn't have then <laughs> been surprised by Lazarus, but um, I was still like not in a bad. I enjoy them both. But um, yeah, they are. And Evelyn's a, reaction. So uh, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Like, I was just going to say that Evelyn's reaction really sells it as well. Like when Cassie dies, like Maggie Stable's performance is just like really heartbreaking. The way she's, yeah, just breaking down. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Which going back to a death in the family just makes her meeting Hex as an adult. Mm. so much more gratifying it's incredible really that they managed to just really kind of take the emotional punch there and (laughs) go with it um yeah and also uh, the effect of of learning the truth um on hex and like i think what i love about death in the family is that it it kind of shows the parallels between ace and hex and what they're doing after after the doctor dies but also the the big difference between them and like in the choices that they make post his death and yeah it, it asks that question of were they better off or not for having met him and i really don't know 
which I think is good. With that, yeah, Ace, yeah, absolutely. Ace's story is really interesting because, well, yeah, she basically just gives up a happy life to to bring him back. And there's a sort of they 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 come back to it. I think in some later stories, but there's this theme of like she can't let him go almost, and it's a bit of an almost unhealthy dynamic. Yeah, and, and like it, should she and would I in that scenario? No idea, no idea. But it's good that it's so ambiguous. And it kind of took Big Finish a little while to get Ace, not to get Ace right, but to figure out what they wanted to do with her because. You had, before Hex came on the scene, you had the whole Call Me McShane now storyline. Um, and you have things like Cold Is, which is very similar for Ace emotionally as Project Lazarus was for Evelyn. Um, she sees David Tennant's character. I wonder what happened to him. Um, David Tennant's character. Uh, everyone makes that joke. Oh, I did not just make that joke. Um, but it's his. Tradition. His character get I know, we have to do that joke. Every time David Tennant's <laughs> mentioned, we have to do that joke. It's a podcast rule. We're establishing it in the second episode and it will last forever. Um, but uh, David Tennant's character in Cold Day, it's a very nasty character, uh, gets killed in a very gruesome way at the end. And there's talk in the next story, The Rapture, um, of how that, just witnessing the death and how unpleasant it was, uh, kind of really affecting Ace and then we go through this whole McShane thing and then in the rapture we meet Ace's long lost secret brother um, and I remember first hearing that long time ago now and thinking oh well, you know we've got a storyline here Ace's long lost brother we're going to hear it. oh no he never turns up again never mind um, so they were obviously trying to do things with Ace they were obviously trying to kind of push some boundaries with Ace before Hex came along but I think it was actually Hex coming along and it was the harvest and everything that happened after that that kind of really enabled them to take the character somewhere and I quite like uh, how they turn Ace into she's she's kind of Hex's big sister at some points uh, she's yeah. the knowledgeable one she's the one that's been travelling with the Doctor for a while she knows stuff and this character that was always presented to us on screen as a bit of a kid, really, she's all of a sudden, she's the mature one. She's the one that knows what's going on. And I think that was, a even in sort of the early days of Ace and Hex, that was a really interesting place to take her. Yeah, she's very, very doctory in um, A Death in the Family as well. Mm. It struck me when I was, I re-listened to it a couple of days ago. Um, she's really doctory after he dies and when she's, meeting Henry for the first time and kind of like yeah, introducing she... him into her world and her obsession with the Doctor. She's basically, it... she basically is kind of the, the Doctor. She's the, doing what he did. The manipulated um, becomes yeah. the manipulator. So maybe that's the bit... Almost. Yeah, that might be the unhealthy bit I was picking up on because it's almost like Clara. Like once she starts to almost become the Doctor, that's the bit where the show is saying that this is starting to be a bit unhealthy. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the interesting thing about. Sorry, you go. I was just going to say, yeah, it, it's it, it's been done a few times, but yet again, this is an example of Big Finish doing something that the TV series has actually picked up on later on, which is that kind of is it actually unhealthy to spend too much time with the Doctor? That sort of thing. Sorry, yeah. Holly, what were you going to say? 
It's all right. Um, I, I think the interesting thing about Ace in a death as well, though, is that she can't. She is the manipulator, but also, I feel like there's always that element of even beyond the grave, she's still being manipulated by the doctor because he he wanted her to unlock the tablet, didn't he? He gave her yeah the the line to to unlock it, and he gave her kind of all the pieces, and it was up to her to put them together or not. And it feels like she's kind of she's kind of still doing his bidding almost in like a yeah it's dodgy and it's in a complicated good way it's like is she manipulating henry or is she kind of still under the doctor's thumb a little bit i think she is and uh yeah it's just it's just a fascinating dynamic can i share a couple of just i just made a couple of notes when i was listening just two moments that i just really liked there's one was evelyn like close to her death when she just has the line of like i'm watching a sunset from a long way away like i think like there's yeah it's just a really really nice line and uh, and the the other moments that like i think sylvester mccoy is like 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 i said it was kind of he was kind of my doctor and might be one of my favorites um i feel like he's really elevated by good material and he had some amazing material here and he had that one line about having a calendar of he doesn't say explicitly but basically of like when is all his companions going to die and he he doesn't deliver it in a sad way it's almost like this light delivery and it yeah and maybe i'm reading too much into it but it's almost like saying the doctor's cheery exterior beneath that there's this constant sadness and awareness that people are going to leave him and, and die and yeah <laughs> it was just like a really sort of beautifully sad moment i thought i think that's something that's always been sort of very quietly played on in doctor who mm. it's you know ever from dalek invasion of earth onwards the doctor's always been aware that these people are going to leave him, that he's going to outlive them, that, you know, something's going to happen and they will never travel with him forever. And flash forward to Legend of the Sea Devils and, oh, I probably better stick a spoiler alert on here. <laughs> flash forward to Legend of the Sea Devils and the sort of the same question is being risen sort of with Yaz's relationship with the Doctor and the Doctor's going, well, you know, this is going to end. I'm going to outlive you. Yeah. And, all that kind of thing. And yeah, it's a really strong theme throughout. And it's always been played up, played down. It's, you know, there's some very subtle examples of the Doctor being obviously upset that a companion's left him. Uh, the Green Death springs to mind. Mm. Um, yeah, I love, I love that kind of really underplayed, you know, there's a party going on, Joe's going off to get married, and he just wanders off and drives off into the darkness in Bessie. I love it. It's fantastic. It's amazing, yeah, heartbreaking. Um, so good. And it's the exact same kind of message that we are seeing all the way through, um, through Big Finish, through, you know, the Doctor knowing when everyone's going to die, right through to uh, the Doctor and Yaz in Legend of the Sea Devils and, of course, beyond. Um, it is, yeah, it is, but I feel like, for me, I feel like Ace is the first time the show has asked that question um, 
like is she better off with or without the doctor and as a listener i suddenly think maybe she is better off without like not so when i watched the green death it is heartbreaking because i love joe and the third doctor together and i i think he makes her better and she makes him better and you know and same with like the tenth doctor and rose and uh, probably 13 and Yaz as well, but here it's like, this is the one time I think, actually maybe maybe she should just leave and have this life with Henry and you know, it's yeah. muddy it's good it's, Ace is the, the challenged companion the companion that is challenged in terms of that kind of thing but then again you know, it was set up in the TV series that Ace was kind of put with the Doctor um, by Fenric. Mm. It was all part of Fenric's big plan. And it's quite funny, really, that that's one thing that doesn't quite pay off in Gods and Monsters when Fenric returns. Um, You know, he's too busy sort of dealing with Hex and dealing with the fact that the Doctor's decided he's just taking on a load of gods now and that kind of thing. The fact that um, Fenric put Ace with the Doctor, almost put Ace with the Doctor, I suppose, that's not quite touched upon. So we've got all this development for Ace, and then when the big moment comes, maybe that's a little bit of a miss. But at the same time, that story was juggling so much, and you could argue that the whole Fenric-Ace Doctor thing was wrapped up in the curse of Fenric anyway. Yeah. Is it not even is it not even mentioned in Gods and Monsters? I'd forgotten that. Um, you, I think you've heard it more recently than me, to be honest. But I, I don't remember. It's certainly not a big part of the the story. Oh, fair enough. I mean, it goes to show that I didn't I didn't necessarily miss it if it didn't strike me as a glaring yeah. omission. Although now you mention it, it does feel lost. Yeah, but, it, it's um, the whole point was Fenric creates the time storm in Ace's bedroom that takes her to Ice World. She then yeah. meets the Doctor at Ice World and travels with him, and it was all leading up to the Curse of Fenric. So um, that that end of the arc with the gods stuff, it was that really reminded me of the New Adventures in a good way because that got really into like almost reimagining all these um, figures like time and death and uh, these like Lovecraftian um, monsters. Uh, I think it sort of retconned things like the Great Intelligence as being a monster from Lovecraft mythology. And so, yeah, all of that stuff felt very 90s novels, uh, Seventh Doctor. I'm sort of, I'm loosely familiar with all of this and that the the sort of the Elder Gods are a thing. And yeah, um, it's like I say, like I said earlier, I've never properly got stuck into uh, the 90s novels enough to kind of fully appreciate it. But I, I think it's a perfect route to go for the seventh doctor. You know, he, he becomes such a manipulator that he decides he can take on gods now. Yeah. It fits. Um, and he only sort of ever wins. Yeah. Or there's often like a cost, like he'll certainly in the books, there's times when he might win against this big mythic force, but there's some big cost that comes later. But, uh, yeah, and sort of never more than in, in Gods and Monsters when Hex, I mean, obviously we yeah. see him again uh, in the Hector trilogy, but like at the time it felt like, that's it, he's 
he's gone. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and also signs and wonders. Yeah, I guess. yeah, and and, and like sense. sort of like a massive spoiler for the books, but um, uh, and if we're talking about emotional farewells, the the death of Ross Forrester is one of the uh, sort of saddest uh, moments I think in in those books. Like, like at the end of a death in the family, it's it, it's really sort of it's underplayed and it's in a way sadder for it when the doctors talking at Evelyn's um, funeral. Uh, but I think in the novel, when Roz dies, it's this really massive thing. Where I think one of the doctor's heart stops from grief. Um, yeah, and it has ram- ramifications that, going through the next few books. That sounds very, very new adventures, yeah. that does the doctor's heart stopping when it... But I like that. That's good. That's it, 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 It's actually sort of the level of writing you get with things like a death in the family which you know we've all agreed 17 times already in the last half hour is just a very very special story um it really is something fantastic yeah yeah so um you so we've all we've all listened to a death in the family in the last sort of few days haven't we we've kind of made a point of that uh, before doing this, which I I think's really interesting because it's it's by no means the finale of that arc. Quite a lot happens after it. Um, it obviously wraps up Evelyn's storyline, um, and it sort of deals with the ramifications of um, project. Was it Project Destiny that became? I get me projects mixed up again. Was it Project Destiny that came beforehand? Yeah, it was, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. By the way, the name of the book, Project Valhalla. Oh, yeah. Ah, uh, thank you. I Isn't have remembered. A, a short trip as it's well. It's a companion chronicle with Lysander. Is that her name? No, uh, it was Nirvana, wasn't it? Project Nirvana, yeah. companion chronicle, which slips into this same storyline we've been talking about. It's what the Seventh Doctor gets up to when he's abandoned. Um ace and hex and you've got the whole two tardises black and white tardis thing um but i I always found it maybe this storyline was kind of hampered by the the trilogy format because at the end of the previous trilogy the angel of skatari hex is kind of injured and it ends with oh just get me home get me um they get him home they heal him it's all gone a bit weird we do we do the story and then we move into a death in the family, which is an emotionally heavy listen. It's huge. As we've said, it feels like a finale. It's not quite the finale, but it's sort of a big turning point. And then we kind of go through to the next story, which is uh, Lurkers at Sunlight's Edge. And it's it's an all right story. It's a nice listen, but it's just it completely loses the epicness and the emotion that you've had in the sort of the previous two, three stories, it's just kind of another day in the TARDIS sort of thing. It, it's it's the next story and nothing really happens and nothing gets particularly built on from what came before. So it, it feels like a very uneven trilogy to me. So, so I made a playlist and I don't think I put Lurkers in it. Um... And you will have missed pretty much nothing in terms of the ongoing story. Yeah, and I was trying to pick the stories um, that would just give me like 
the points yeah. of the art. We, we, you lose a bit of that, though, because if you've listened to all the Hex stories and all the Evelyn stories, you're just invested in those characters more. And there are some really good standalone stories that have no Arky stuff at all. Um, but oh, Yeah, it just... Just Lurkers feels like it's it's just sort of this tiny fish in a big <laughs> pond. There are so many big stories around yeah, it. Yeah, where it comes. Yeah. Um, and it, it just gets a little bit lost in there. Um, and yeah, it's the only time where I've kind of thought, okay, it's an ongoing story. It is more than just the trilogy that it's in. But I kind of wish they'd, they'd just thrown something else in there, something as... As strong because it's almost like the trilogy ends at the second story, which is a death in the family. It's like Matt Smith's, and it all. Sorry, sorry. Well, I should say it all kind of goes back to normal for a, for a few episodes. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say it's like Matt Smith's season six, where you have this these huge revelations, and then you suddenly just go back to monster of the week stories, like nothing's yeah. happened. We have. Curse of the Black Spot by Night Terrors, <laughs> where not much is going on, and we're kind of just sat there going, Yeah, but didn't he <laughs> die? Don't we need to kind of know what's going on there? Yeah, um, it's a strange one, isn't it? Like, as you say, if, if Lurkers was fell between, I don't know, Nocturne and uh, whatever comes after Nocturne, <laughs> no, like no one will bat an eyelid. It, it's just it's that kind of story, and it's the fact that it's sandwiched between a death and um, I think Protect and Survive. Or something else major. It just feels like... Uh, well, it, yeah, it kind of is sidesteps after Lurkers and it goes into the Seventh Doctor solo trilogy with uh, Robophobia. Oh, that's uh, true. Which I absolutely love Robophobia. I think it's fantastic. I think that whole trilogy is brilliant, actually. It's sort of the Seventh Doctor has abandoned his companions because he's getting a bit too m- manipulative and realises he needs backup. Um. So I, I, I quite like that little sidestep trilogy where Seven is solo, but it still fits in. And then all of a sudden you get to protect and survive and Ace and Hex are sort of thrown into this battle with huge godlike characters and the Doctor's not there. He's abandoned them to go off and be even more manipulative elsewhere. Yeah. And of course, Robophobia gives us Livchenka, but uh, we're not allowed to talk about Eight Doctor <laughs> stuff with you on, are we, Holly? No, I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, in fact, I've been meaning to talk to you about that in this podcast. Is you, you've not listened to any Eighth Doctor at all, have you? No, I haven't. I'm glad you said that because I feel the need to clarify that it's not that you're not allowed to mention him because I have some irrational hatred of <laughs> Paul McGann. Um, I haven't heard any Eighth Doctor. I'm I'm saving it for a rainy day, basically. No, I have. I've heard I've heard like chimes and I've heard. Um, when he's popped up in like anniversary releases, but I've not I've not done the vast majority of his uh, main range stuff or any Lucy or any of the box sets. So yeah, I'm saving Which, it. I mean, you you've got so much to look forward to because if if the hex stuff didn't exist, I would absolutely say that Doom Coalition is my favourite big finish storyline. Um, really. Either that or his sort of second series in the main range, which runs from uh, Invaders of Mars, Invaders from Mars, sorry, to Neverland. Uh, and I think Neverland's just like the best bit of Doctor Who ever. It's absolutely phenomenal. It's the perfect season finale. 
Yeah, um, but I'm not going to say any more about it because I don't want to spoil it for you. <laughs> Thank they you. were just exciting because it was like the TV movie had failed to turn into a series, and this was like ongoing, current, performed Doctor Who back in season form um, before Russell T Davis brought it back the first time, and and they were just pretty really good as well. And so yeah, it was that extra excitement of that's that's why I like the books again. Sorry, keep going back to the books, but it was the current doctor it wasn't like i like the past doctor stuff as well but there's something exciting about something that's going forward and is pushing in a new direction and you don't know where it's going to go i also yeah, think absolutely. i also think that one of the amazing things about sort of the concept of the time war and it being this very sort of clear gap between classic who and new who is even post 2005, the Eighth Doctor still feels current. Mm. You know he's heading into this war, and of course they've done Eighth Doctor Time War. But um, even through Dark Eye or the Lucy stuff and Dark Eyes, Doom Coalition, Ravenous, and so on, he's always felt like he's still the current Doctor. Like his adventures are still current; they're up to date. Um, and there's just this huge, horrible war ahead of him that just kind of wipes everything out. So they've kind of played into that really well, and there are hints that, oh, the time war is coming, there's this war that's going to happen in the future, and it's going to be quite bad. Uh, but, yeah, the Eighth Doctor stories have always been sort of the groundbreaking experimental ones. Uh, they've been big storylines. And I absolutely love how they've handled that. But we are going to stop talking about him now because it's not far while Holly's on. Thank you. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into them. Um, what I've heard of McGann, I think he's brilliant. Oh, I love him. He's great. Yeah, he's absolutely fantastic. And um, well, you'll have heard Livchenko in uh, Robophobia. She's up there, as yes. far as I'm concerned, with Hex and Evelyn as best Big Finish companion. I think she's a genuinely brilliant character, especially when sort of John Dorney gets hold of her in uh, Dark Eyes 4 onwards. She really does become a, a brilliant character to follow. Hmm. Um, any other big finish storylines that deserve mention? I know, Mansell, you mentioned uh, Benny earlier on. Yeah, yeah. Uh... Uh, I won't go into specifics of what happens, but the well, Bernice Summerfield started Big Finish. Like without those first adaptations of some of her novels, there wouldn't necessarily have been audio Doctor Who. It was what convinced I think the BBC to let them do Doctor Who, and she she went she carried on with single disc releases for several years, and that I think is my favourite area era. Of Benice, not just because of the arcs and the ongoing stories, but the supporting cast. Um, there was just something really nice about having an ensemble cast and creating this emotional context and world for her to live in. And I've liked other Benny stuff in more recent years, but I still really, really miss that cast of characters, that set of um, family and friends around her. Um, yeah, and, there, and there's lots of crazy stuff that's happened to her in books and audios as well. And it's the exact same reason I like uh, the Gallifrey 
uh, stories, particularly the sort of first few series where, again, a really strong story arc going on with this ensemble cast. You know, it's you, there, there are points where you're getting eight, nine characters that appear in near enough every episode. Yeah. Um, and they're all very good characters and there's all sorts of plotting and stuff going on. And um, yeah, like Gallifrey is another one of those sort of perfectly done big finish storylines, particularly, like, yeah. particularly those first three series. I think it's been so, consistently yeah. brilliant. It is my favourite big finish range. Um. But there's yeah, there's been some really good stuff in there, and I think that sort of the journeys that uh, Romana and Leela have gone on throughout all of these releases are absolutely amazing. But then they've introduced other characters as well. You know, Narvin. Everybody loves Narvin. Narvin's become one of these really loved characters. Um, and Narvin should appear on TV. I want to see that. I want to see Narvin in TV. Who? Yeah, I would watch that. Yeah, you're you're right because that that whole ensemble is so strong, and it it shows that if they want to do it, they absolutely can. And I mean, I like, for example, the the river sets that I've heard, but I feel like Gallifrey and and Benny kind of show that if you've got a really strong ensemble, I feel like that that lifts that just lifts the range and makes it something more. And I feel like. River potentially could could do with that, and I don't know. I mean, it's not compulsory, but I think it. I think it really I, I, helps. I missed that with um, River. Like, I think there's been like one or two returning characters, but yeah, I would really like to have because yeah, it's, it, it, it's like I'm saying, it's not just a big story or big universe threatening event. It's that emotional context that carries through from story to story that they're like people and things that this lead character cares about and that you care about yeah absolutely because there's there's different kinds of arcs isn't there because you're asking johnson about what other arcs do we like and it's sort of how do you define that almost because there's story arcs where you know like you can point at the forge and say that's the forge story or you can point at the hex arc more broadly and that it's kind of it is kind of more emotional and then you've got things like i don't know the stockbridge trilogy which is kind of only linked by stockbridge location really and uh yeah there's just so much variety and kind of strengths to to different ones and yeah i don't know where i'm going with this but <laughs> no absolutely <laughs> you no, you're right it, it's it, you know arc is a very broad term and you know it, we've had huge ambitious We've had almost accidental, you know, the Seventh Doctor, Ace and Hex. It's kind of things fell into place and they stitched the arc together later on. But there's no way that when they introduced Evelyn in the Marian Conspiracy or even Hex in The Harvest, they were, oh, well, let's do this, this and this. And it's going to cross over this way and Evelyn's going to meet his mom. And it was never, ever, it, it can't have been like that. It's just they just obviously made decisions along the way and it just seems to be that all of these decisions landed and the fact that the characters were so strong and that we as the listeners became so invested in them it made it work yeah 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 completely um the only sort of drawback of the 
Hexarch was it was when I first started listening to Big Finish properly, which was probably about 12 years ago now, give or take. Um, I really wanted to get stuck into that stuff. I really wanted to, you know, heard a few of the earlier Hex stories. Like, yeah, I like this. I want to get stuck in. I want the whole storyline. I was aware that there was a big story. I was aware that it kind of culminated in Gods and Monsters. Um, and I had no idea where to start because it's it is so many releases released over such a long period of time. And then I heard about a death in the family and somebody said, oh, you need to hear all the Evelyn stuff for that as well. Which, okay, you don't necessarily, but you lose a huge sort of level of emotional yeah. investment by not being familiar with Evelyn and not having heard the project stories and not being familiar with how she left the Doctor. Um, yeah. Which wasn't necessarily, you know, under the best circumstances the first time round. Um, I I did find it impenetrable for a long time. It's very difficult for a new listener to come to Big Finish and want to listen to what we've all agreed is their best arc. I think they've tried. Yeah, it can. It's daunting. Yeah. It's definitely daunting, but it's worth it. I, I, I think they've tried yeah. to help with like bundles and playlists haven't they i think there are certain bits of the website where you can find a bundle of like a doctor and a character and, and a companion and get all their stories in a set um but yeah you, you do need yeah. to do a bit of research but even even then you know uh, evelyn's stories a lot of them were released out yeah. of order <laughs> you know they gave her an exit but then she recorded just as many stories afterwards um as before so it's it's very difficult to piece it all together and there's no official listening order i mean there isn't really an unofficial listening order believe me i've searched <laughs> for it um personally the way i did it the last time i kind of did it all as a a big thing was i listened to um all of the hex stuff up until uh, i think it was a death in the family which was the last one before it went into um, trilogy territory. And I then went back and listened to all of Six and Evelyn, and then I kind of rejoined the Seventh Doctor, Ace and Hex from Rat Trap onwards, having had the context of Evelyn and Cassie and the revelations about little Tommy being Hex and all that. Is that what they call the machette order for Star Wars? Like there's a... There's a watching order for Star Wars where I think you watch episode four and New Hope and then Empire Strikes Back and you go back and watch the prequels and then you carry on with Return of the Jedi. Yes, yes, that's the kind of thing. Um, I mean, I kind of just made up that one by myself when I was listening to them, but um, it's a similar context that kind of introduces you to I suppose the main characters you're going to be following, but then gives you all of that detailed background. And yeah, you're right; it's very similar to that that Star Wars order. I, I discovered with my playlist that chronological is definitely not necessarily right when it comes to listening order and what makes sense emotionally and in terms of storytelling. Yeah, when when you listen to that storyline, you're going for 
emotional impact you're not going for necessarily what happens in the story yeah i think i think i did it in release order um which really worked for me to be honest i i enjoyed it and i felt like it all it all made sense but i guess the fact that it it can be a little bit daunting i suppose that's a, a strength of like you more contained trilogies like um like Stockbridge or like the Klein trilogy and they can be you can you know you can have just a, a complete run of only three stories that can be really really strong still and um emotional when it wants to be and you know so there's 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 different options yeah agreed anyway we're going to move on to uh what we have as a bit of a regular um, or I'm hoping will be a regular part of this podcast. We're only on episode two. I can't really call something regular just yet, can I? Um, but it's basically what have you, what else that we haven't discussed so far have you guys been listening to in the last few weeks? So what's it been? Did you enjoy it? That kind of thing. So Holly, you go first. Um, what have I? Oh, I'm halfway through Killing Time ahead of um, self-defence coming. Is that next month, self-defence? Um, ooh, I should know this because I was looking at it before. I should it's really know this because I was looking at it before. Is it, <laughs> is it June, maybe? Or July? Uh, maybe it's June. I, it, well, either way, it's um, it's snuck up on me, so I thought I'd better catch up on Killing Time. Um, so I'm halfway through that and enjoying it a lot. I mean, it's just, you know, Derek Jacobi, I'd listen to him doing reading a phone book. He's brilliant. Uh, yes, it is June, by the way. June, thank you. Yeah, I'd pretend it was my memory, but no, I've just Googled it. Um, what about you, Mansoor? What have you been listening to? Um, it's not Big Finish, but Redacted, uh, the podcast uh, thing that's just come out in the last few days. Um yeah, just enjoying it. It's 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 got it's very different from other BBC Doctor Who, but it's got this unique BBC ness to it. Like, yeah, it just feels quite fresh and different. And yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. Yeah, we, uh, I did speak with the guys that were on last week about it, and yeah, we agreed it was sort of quite different and uh, quite interesting, um, and a whole new direction to approach Doctor Who from. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of it. Absolutely. Okay, well, um, I think, Holly, you're going to leave us at this point so me and Mansell can talk about Stranded, uh, Stranded 4 a little bit. Uh, indeed, yes. So thank you very much for joining us. Uh, uh, pleasure, enjoyed if it. You, if you don't want to be spoiled, I recommend... Uh, not being here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. That's nice. Yeah, okay. I'll but try yeah. not to cry in the corner. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'll see you guys later. Okay, so Holly has left us. Um, so it's just me and Mansoor. Uh, so Holly, as we said before, has never touched the Eighth Doctor uh, releases at all, apart from the little bits, anniversaries and obviously chimes of midnight which is essential listening for everybody um but we're fully up to date aren't we Mansoor? yes yeah so um stranded four has been out a few weeks now and it kind of you know i've seen people say it's kind of run it's rounded off a continuous thread that's been going since sort of 2007 2008 um 
personally, I think that's a bit of an exaggeration. But um, I can sort of see why some people would consider that. Um, but Stranded Stranded is a story arc. What did you think of it? Did you enjoy it? Well, I mean, people say it's been going since 2000 and whenever, but like, I think Stranded was designed and I think was was successful in terms of being a bit of a jumping on point and being a bit of a fresh start. Yes, there's events from the previous arc that create the context for Stranded 1, but it it is a decent jumping on point and it has a very definite end as well. You could listen to these four box sets and get most of it. There's not loads of returning elements that impact on the arc. There's There's the curator and there's the brigadier who turns up in one episode as is traditional in big finish but like yeah it's a really good episode though uh, the brigadier one um absolutely the, uh but yeah it's it tells a coherent self-contained story i think yeah i'd agree um uh, and it's you know um ravenous you couldn't approach ravenous without having heard doom yeah, coalition exactly. first there's so much that gets carried over you know, when you start Ravenous, Helen is missing, the Eleven's still out there, Andy's with her. There's sort of the aftermath of what happened on Gallifrey, that all ends quite suddenly, and sort of Ravenous returns to that towards the end. Um, it's it's very much, Ravenous is a continuation of Doom Coalition, uh, but Stranded, it's, it's the slate wiped clean. It is very much just kind of almost restarting um, what's going on. You've got Helen, you've got Liv. There's been a lot of development with those characters, a lot of work with them. And I kind of love how Stranded really does continue that. I mean, particularly with Liv, you know, it's, Stranded almost completely exists just to write Liv out. Yeah, like, um, like Holly was talking about the difference between like character arcs and story arcs and I guess in terms of character arcs, yeah, there's stuff that's been carrying on for years and years with characters like Liv. Yeah, um, and Liv, oh, Liv's been around for a long time. It was was it Dark Eyes two that she sort of properly came on board. Yeah, was it was it Liv in Rob- uh, it was Liv in Robophobia, wasn't it? That that was her first. Liv was in Robophobia. She sort of met the seventh Doctor and came then back, re met the eighth Doctor. I think it was Dark Eyes 2, but I think it was actually Dark Eyes 3 where he gave her a key and said, right, you're you're my companion now. Right, okay. Um, But yeah, Liv's been around for a long, long time. She's got her own spin-off series, which is still ongoing. Um, But uh, obviously she's now left. She's no longer travelling with the Eighth Doctor. Uh, In the the COVID episode, uh, what did you think of it? Uh... I'm a bit best year ever. Yeah, I'm a bit conflicted about the COVID episode. Like on the on the one hand, it was one of the th- one of the things I really liked about Stranded. There was there was another episode in the first box set um, uh, where uh, someone's cousin gets shot and dies, and I, I think it's it's one of the episodes that's got no no sci-fi or fantastical elements. I really really liked that aspect of Stranded. I almost wish they'd done a bit more of those types of stories. Um, And Best Year Ever, in a sense, is the complete, like, uh, like perfect example of that. I'm I'm, I'm not sure if I like the fact that it was just 
them very passively. Well, I guess that's the point. Like it, it's a it's a threat that the doctor can't do anything about. But yeah, I don't know how I feel about them just sort of sitting and watching things happen and doing the Thursday evening clap for the NHS. Like, yeah, what what was your? Which all feels so long ago now <laughs> in sort of real life. <laughs> um, I it was funny because I listened to it and I found myself kind of being nostalgic for lockdown and then I remember that it wasn't that nice at all um and maybe that's maybe that's the point maybe it's you know lockdown wasn't pleasant it wasn't nice and the story kind of presents it as a little bit you know these are the things that happened and these are all the strange things that we did for a certain amount of time that were normal that even now only two years later we've forgotten about yeah, um, but it it was it was a nice ending for Liv. It was, you know, I'm glad she got a happy ending. I'm glad that it wasn't another big finish companion death. I kind of feel as though they've done that a little bit too much. Yeah, that's what because I think you know we've we've been talking about exits and emotional exits, and it's so rare it feels these days for someone just to choose to leave the Doctor. It's like certainly yeah. on TV, I think it's. Martha and then Graham and Ryan. That's it for main. Pretty much it, yeah. Everyone else has died or been turned into a Cyberman, or yeah, or or, or developed like an <laughs> unhealthy obsession yeah. with the Doctor and had to yeah, be separated. Being forced to forget who he yeah. is. And yeah, <laughs> we've we've done it all. Trapped in a parallel <laughs> universe. Um, absolutely. Anyway, um, I I think we've uh, we've got an episode of a podcast there. That's our second ever episode done. Oh. Uh, so we'll um, we'll say goodbye, and I'll be back in the not too distant future to talk about April releases. Uh, so obviously Holly's already gone; she didn't want to hear the Eighth Doctor stuff. But uh, thank you very much, Mansoor. It's been a pleasure recording with you. Oh, thank you.